Why not? Why can't I be the MVP of the league? Why can't I be the best player in the league? Oh, he's trying to get open. Fires away. Firing. It's over. The Bulls win at the buzzer. You the real MVP. Are you upset with something? I just don't like you. You don't? No. We're talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game. We're talking about practice. I, I took offense to that. Stay off the weed. Hello and you're very welcome to episode 9 of NBA Rim Talk. On today's show... We're going to be having a chat with everybody's favourite guest. P is in studio with us again today. How are you getting on, P? Well, man, what's the crack? Good, now we're here to discuss everything that's been going on in the NBA Finals so far. We had a quick chat last week, I suppose. We gave our predictions and we said how we thought things were going to go. And we've been very eagerly watching the three games that have taken place so far. So on today's show, we're going to talk about those games. Then we're going to talk about where we see the rest of the season going. And that's going to be part one. After the break in part two, we will be back with a player focus on Miami Heat star player, Jimmy Butler. And as a lot of my listeners, and as you would know well, Pete, this is a player focus that I've been looking forward to doing for a long time. And I've been very eager to learn a bit more about the legend that is Jimmy Butler. There's never been a better time to do it either, by the look of last night's result. I'd say it's probably fair to say this is as high as his standing in the game has ever been. Based on what we've talked about on the podcast before, Jimmy Butler bouncing around from a couple of different teams over the last few years, clashing with different players and coaches at the franchises and eventually finding himself settled in Miami. And since the finals have started, I've heard him and his coach talk a lot about how settled he is there, how much he loves the environment that's there. And the compliments have been coming from both sides. So both the coach is saying how much of a hard worker Butler is and Butler is praising how good of an environment it is. So it has been great to see him reach these career high levels and basically he's been able to prove to everybody what he's thought about himself for a long time that he could be one of the best players in the league. Yeah I'm really looking forward to the the player focus on Jimmy now later on. I do have an axe to grind with him at the moment though because up until last night I was so ready to come into this mid-series podcast to absolutely slate you on the prediction you made on the last podcast. I was going to go straight in for it I uh, call you every name under the sun relating to someone who just really is desperate to be a hipster and go against what everybody else is thinking for the obvious reasons. And uh, Jimmy popped up last night and uh, put me back in my place. I'm absolutely delighted about that. We had a bit of a tough time with the last podcast, recording it twice and then, you know, having to listen back to it a good few times during the editing process, I was saying to myself, was that really the best prediction you could have made at this stage of the season? You know, throw all the form books and everything you've said about LeBron, throw it out the window and just lump everything on the heat. After watching the first two games, I have to say I was a little bit nervous and a small bit embarrassed about my predictions. But having stayed up to see last night's game, I'm absolutely buzzing with the fact that the heat have got one. I feel like that no matter what happens between now and the end, getting that one is absolutely key because if you don't win one game in the finals, what are you doing there in the first place? So at least they've won that one now. And I do feel like the next one is an absolutely pivotal one for momentum because the Heat will either pull it back to 2-2 or the Lakers will go 3-1 ahead. And we know about 3-1. We know it's been overturned in this bubble so far. Historically, it doesn't happen that often. And 
I couldn't see it happening to a team that LeBron James is on. So I do feel like the next game is a crucial one for the series, but the last game was a great boost for it because after games one and two... The Lakers were looking hot. It looked like it was going to be a blowout at that stage. So it's great that it hasn't gone that way and let's hope the Heat can keep it really competitive now going forward. Yeah, no, I was really, really delighted with the... With my prediction going in after those first two games, the Lakers, as I said, were looking hot. They were looking really, really strong. LeBron was on fire. Davis was hitting his usual 32, 33 points a game. They were just looking very strong and like very, very comfortable against, uh, a de- in fairness, a depleted heat side. So we start off in game one. I absolutely agree with you. They came out and they kind of smashed it between LeBron and AD. They did what we thought they were going to do. LeBron almost had a triple-double. Anthony Davis was basically unstoppable and the Heat got two injuries to two of their starting players. The first one to Goran Drogic, their point guard, and the second one to Bam Adebayo, their centre. It's very unfortunate for them because Bam Adebayo was their highest scorer during the regular season. Then Drogic had been their highest scorer in the playoffs. Both of them are gone. They had been averaging, between the two of them, around 37 points per game. So if you think about that logistically, you're taking those 37 points off of the heat and you're saying to them, somebody else now has to go and get those scores. You need to get them between other players on the team. Lucky they they are deep and they do have a few players that can come in and replace them. But losing those two guys on the first night, I feel like it was such a sickening blow for them. We talked about how big of a role injuries play in a five-man sport. As soon as I saw those players getting injured, my mind went back to the last podcast where you talked about the Heat's main strength being their depth and they've really had to dip into that in this series and it looked like in those first two games certainly that the depth simply wasn't there yeah no I think it's such a sickener that you can't recover from it during game one when the injuries actually occur like it's good to have the depth there but the initial impact of oh god we're just after losing our starting centre we're just after losing our point guard heads have to drop on the team that has to have a big knock-on effect on everybody And the same way when you're heading into game two and both of those are confirmed that they're going to be ruled out again. They're not going to be able to come back. That's another big blow. I suppose by the time last night's game had come around, they probably had time to adjust to the fact that Drogic most likely is not coming back. Bam couldn't play in game three, but there is a high probability that he's going to come back at some stage. So that's what I mean. By the time last night's game comes around, the Heat are looking around and say, this is the cards that we have. Those guys are gone. We got to look to our bench. We got to look to Kendrick Nunn, who's going to come in and play at the point guard position quite a lot. We got to look to Kelly Olynyk or Myers Leonard that are going to come in and deputise at the centre position. And we just got to hope that these guys are going to be able to give a good enough run for themselves. And then you have to really hope that your star player can lift his level higher than he ever has before. And the guy they were looking to do that was Jimmy Butler. And as we said, you know they're missing about thirty-seven points between Dragic and Adebayo. So you look to someone like Butler and say your points have to come up massively and they did. His game three performance was outstanding. He had a 40-point triple-double. A 40-point triple-double in a finals. It's absolutely remarkable. How did he get all these points? Most of them came from the Lakers getting an outrageous amount of turnovers. I know you were talking to me earlier on, P. They had a ridiculous amount of turnovers in the first quarter in particular. Yeah, it looked like the Heat really just came out with this tigerish attitude in defence. The kind of fight that you were talking about in the last podcast. And they just stuck into the Lakers and overturned. It wasn't like they were just overturning the Lakers squad players. They were overturning LeBron and Davis in around the basket. They have to do that. The Heat have to work harder than the Lakers. 
plain and simple, even if they were at full strength, they don't have Davis or LeBron. So you have to be the team that goes in there, work the hardest to really make it a scrap and make it a battle and not to give anything easy to those guys. Like Davis was in ridiculous form in game two. He scored 15 field goals out of 20. So he only missed five shots over the whole night and he scored 15. Really, really impressive scoring. But game three then was like a different player. I think he only got finished with 15 points. He was on three fouls in the first half, so they had to take him off at one point. And yeah, he really didn't look like himself. And and the same can be said for LeBron. Now, I think we'll allow them that for one game. In the general scheme of things, that could be only one game out of the series. When you look at the Lakers' path to the finals, and in every series they've played so far, it's been 4-1. They've always allowed themselves that one game to get a little bit complacent or to just let the mind wander. So there's a chance that was what happened last night. But I suppose the other side of the coin is there's a chance that the Heat actually did work harder than them. And as we know, we say it about all sports, it's not just a switch you can turn on or off, no matter how good you are. So that's why I'm saying that Game 4 is definitely going to be the most interesting game of the series now and a pivotal one in terms of where the championship is going to end up, in my opinion. So where do you see Game 4 going now? Do you think that win for the Heat last night will act as a motivation for the Lakers like you said that little kick up the hole they needed to realise that they don't need that kind of complacency to remind themselves of where they are even or do you think it'll give the momentum that the Heat need to power on and really challenge I hear your question I'm reading in between the lines here and I know what you're really trying to say am I going back on my prediction and saying that it's going to be a Lakers series from here on in I think if I would have asked you that before last night I'd get a different answer than to now. Yes, I'd say that's a safe assumption to make. The answer that you're getting now is an even more brash prediction than last week, I suppose. I was tentative at that stage saying, you know, hopeful that Miami were going to work harder. But based on last night's performance, they've proved it. You're doubling down. They, I have to. <laughs> they have proved they can beat them. They worked harder than them. They got more turnovers than them. Jimmy Butler had a better performance than LeBron did. All of these things have to happen for the Heat to have a chance and they have to happen consistently. There was no chance of them winning game one or game two, picking up those injuries and the knock-on effect that has on the rest of the team. But game three, they had to dig deep and they were able to turn it around. And I'm absolutely delighted for them. I really hope they can push on and play as good, if not better, in the next game. But I do want to keep the listeners informed and aware. So there is one thing that may happen, and that is the Lakers may realise that they let things slip in game three, checked their own complacencies, and they might be the ones going to the well and having to dig deep to come out for this game four. Like, that has to be the reaction from them. And you should expect no less from a LeBron James team. So that's why I figure that game four is going to be the game in this series. It's going to be the game where the Lakers have to either come back and prove that that last game was a slip or the Heat can go and solidify their position as a real contender for this series. So to sum things up, I'm going to stay on Miami for the moment. I have planned another podcast after this one. It's going to be a player focus on the GOAT himself, LeBron James. And whether that podcast is going to be eulogising LeBron's career as he just picks up his fourth NBA Finals ring, perhaps, or whether it'll be lamenting the fact that he's lost in the finals again. Who knows? We'll have to just wait and see how the next few games go. Now we're going to leave it there for part one. Thanks a million for listening again, guys. And thanks to everyone who's been sharing the podcast. 
we're absolutely delighted to be up to number six in Ireland there in the podcast rankings, up there with all the big hitters in the world. If you want to follow this podcast online, you can check us out on Twitter or Instagram at RimTalkPod. Now, that's going to do us for part one, folks. Thanks very much to our guest for coming in again today. Cheers for that, Pete. Thanks, man. Always a pleasure. I'll chat to you next week. You will indeed. Looking forward to it. Spot on. Coming up after the break is our player focus on Jimmy Butler. Dear basketball. American basketball player who was kicked out of his family home at 13 years of age. So, how does a 13-year-old homeless kid even begin to make a career as an NBA athlete? Better yet, how does that kid go on to be the star in an NBA Finals match, outscoring LeBron James in terms of points, rebounds and assists, making him the first player in history to do that to LeBron in the Finals? Let's start at the beginning. Jimmy was born in Houston, Texas on the 14th of September 1989. His father deserted him and he endured a turbulent childhood. This came to a head when he was 13 as his mother kicked him out of their family home. This began a period of homelessness that went on for many years. During this time, Jimmy would stay with his friends for a couple of weeks at a time, never wanting to put a burden on their families. This went on until he was in his senior year in high school when he and future NFL wide receiver Jordan Leslie began to strike up a strong friendship. Leslie's mother and stepfather were reluctant at first, but eventually they invited him to come and stay in their house on a more permanent basis. This stability helped Jimmy's basketball spectacularly and this was the year that he began to show off his skills, but more impressively, his unyielding work rate. Leslie's mother said that in return for staying in the house, all she asked was that Jimmy worked hard academically and set a good example to her younger children. Jimmy took these conditions extremely seriously and he gave everything he had to excel in school as well as on the basketball court. Now, this may sound like a real-life version of the movie The Blind Side, but at this point, I don't think many people believe that Jimmy would go on to become an NBA athlete. After high school, he wasn't heavily recruited, and he spent a year in junior college before being offered an athletic scholarship to Marquette University. In his three years here, his superior work rate saw him progress far beyond his peers. This earned him the honour of being selected by the Chicago Bulls with the 30th pick of the 2011 NBA Draft. Butler was thrilled to join the league, but felt under pressure in his first season from one of his Chicago Bulls teammates. The unnamed player allegedly told Jimmy that his chances of getting a second contract as the 30th pick were extremely low. He says prior to this he was a happy-go-lucky kid delighted to be in the league. He says that this was a defining moment for him, wanting to prove to everybody in the league that he wasn't just there to make up the numbers. He deserved to be there 
and he was going to make an impact. This impact soon came as Butler rose up the ranks from rookie to his selection on the NBA All-Defensive Team. He followed this up by becoming the first Chicago Bull to win the Most Improved Player Award while simultaneously picking up his very first All-Star. With Derrick Rose being traded to New York, Jimmy became the guy in Chicago. He proved this by setting and breaking his own scoring records night after night. Despite outstanding performances on the court, rumours started to circulate that Butler was a difficult player to work with for both coaches and players. This led to the Bulls deciding to trade him to Minnesota. Here, Jimmy clashed spectacularly with Timberwolves star players Carl Anthony Towns and Bradley Wiggins. He was said to have repeatedly called the pair out for not working hard enough. Probably jealous of their natural talent, he could not fathom how somebody with those kind of raw materials would be lazy and not want to push themselves to be the very best that they can be. This clash of styles eventually led to Jimmy demanding a trade on the very first day back at training camp. His prayers were answered when he was picked up by the Philadelphia 76ers. Adding Butler to a team already equipped with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons looked like it could have a championship written all over it. Unfortunately, they fell at the second last hurdle, losing to a Kawhi Leonard buzzer beater in the 2019 Eastern Conference Finals. Despite the promise and potential shown, the Sixers chose to again move Jimmy Butler on, citing that he was a problematic player to have from the management's point of view. At this stage, one would be forgiven for assuming he was a difficult man to acquire, considering the fact that he was now bouncing on to his fourth franchise in his career. Here, however, Jimmy found the perfect fit at the Miami Heat. He spoke about this in an interview with his ex-teammate JJ Redick. It's an extremely interesting listen, and the most revealing thing he said was when he began comparing Miami to the other franchises he has been at. This different atmosphere has brought the best out of Butler. It seems that everyone in the organisation is as happy with him as he is with them. Head coach Eric Spolstra said that Jimmy was having an incredible impact on their ability to win games. He said that too often it becomes about stats and who can pile up numbers at a young age. But these are empty stats and they don't impact winning the same way that Butler's leadership and unparalleled work rate does. This fit has allowed the Heat to have an amazing run this season. After showing promise pre-lockdown, they came to the bubble as a strong unit and they began to make their mark. They were seeded as the fifth best team in the East, but despite this, they went all the way to the conference finals, knocking out the number one seed Milwaukee Bucks along the way. In the finals, they dispatched the Boston Celtics and Jimmy was able to pick up his first major team accolade as an Eastern Conference champion. He then took his team into the NBA Finals to face the highly fancied LA Lakers team led by LeBron James. In Game 1, Miami lost two of their starters when Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo picked up injuries. Going into Game 3, the Heat were being written off and most commentators predicted a sweep. Here, however, Butler went off for one of his best ever performances. Playing in 45 minutes out of 48, Butler scored a spectacular 40-point triple-double which included 11 rebounds and 13 assists. He pulled his team over the line despite the underdog tag and a growing injury list. His mentality allows him to overcome any obstacle he faces on the basketball court. Safe to say he has faced a lot of adversity since the day his mother told him as a 13-year-old that he had got to go. As a youth, Jimmy excelled at American football. Now, however, he classes himself as a big soccer fan. He supports PSG and he lists Neymar and Mbappe as his favourite players. 
He likes to drink wine and has said that he wants to own his own vineyard in the future. He is an enterprising individual who started his own coffee company in the Orlando bubble. Big Face Coffee was founded in Butler's room when he bought a French press and started charging his teammates a pricey 20 bucks a cup. He classes Mark Wahlberg as a close friend and admits that the movie star's early morning workouts were an inspiration for him. He also loves country music and he has spent some time hanging out with Irish singer-songwriter Dermot Kennedy. Back in March, Kennedy posted a picture of the pair on Twitter and said, Sport and music are so similar. It's the same ambition, dedication, sense of unity and expression of the soul. Proud to call you a friend. This friendship has obviously carried on as I saw that Kennedy was at the finals as a virtual fan this year. I believe their friendship goes all the way back to last summer when Jimmy posted a clip of him singing Dermot Kennedy's new song at the time, Outnumbered. Let's have a listen. Don't tell me this is all for nothing I can only tell you one thing On the nights you feel outnumbered Maybe I'll be out there somewhere I'll see everything you can be I see the beauty that you can't see On the nights you feel outnumbered Maybe I'll be out there somewhere I don't know if he's as good of a singer as he is a basketball player, but who knows if he had put all of his time and effort into that, maybe he would be. The basketball, however, has paid off, and Jimmy has an impressive list of accolades, including five All-Star Awards, three times being named on the All-NBA third team, four times being named on the All-NBA defensive second team. He was the most improved player in the league in 2015 and he is an Olympic gold medal winner from the Rio Olympics in 2016. Now, that is the end of my player focus on Jimmy Butler. I really, really enjoyed learning about him as it is undoubtedly one of the most inspiring sports stories that I have ever read. From being a homeless 13-year-old to being viewed as a problem player within the NBA, He has fought off his fair share of adversity to get to where he is today. He is an ultra-competitive leader who has shown that in the right situation, he can be as good as anybody in the league right now. I hope he continues to improve and get the respect that he deserves. And remember why they call him Jimmy G Buckets. The G stands for Gets. interesting story. I'm always so interested to hear the adversity that these players have overcome at the early part of their lives and how it's shaped their careers and their attitudes and how they approach the game. So interesting with Jimmy Buckets there. Just the story of him being kicked out at 13 and how that has affected him and how he's made the most out of that situation that more than anyone ever could you'd imagine. Yeah that's so true and we are all products of our environment. So it's quite ironic when you hear NBA general managers and head coaches saying that Jimmy is kind of like a problem child and we need to get him out of this organisation. It harks back to when he was 13 years old, he was actually a problem child and his own mother said to him, you've got to go, which is, you know, it's quite quite hard to believe that that is actually what happened. But, you know, such a formative experience to happen to him 
you can obviously go two ways after something like that happens to you and it seems to have you know strengthened him so much and entrenched him in his attitude of hard work and determination and graft but it is coming from an absolutely remarkable place to begin with so it's a really crazy story I think Butler has possibly been the most enjoyable one that I've looked into so far it's so fascinating as well when you look at Jimmy Butler he's this ultimate team player which is so rare from these superstar massive salary players at each of the franchises you take the likes of Westbrook the likes of Harden putting up these massive numbers getting all the individual awards but at the end of it no rings to show for it no conference finals to show for it Jimmy Butler has gone into the heat he's been the catalyst and epitomises this whole team attitude that has got them as far as they've gone this season yeah, 100%. And that is something that their coach has actually already said. And I thought it was quite a thinly veiled dig at the likes of Westbrook, Harden, Giannis. Like, it's good to have a guy that can put up 40 points a night. But as you said, P, is he taken away from other players on the court? In a lot of those cases, yes, definitely. Whereas, is Butler consistently getting huge scores? Not as much as some of those guys, but what he has done is he has raised the level of every single one of his teammates, right down to the bench and the role players. They've all gotten better this season because Jimmy affects winning. And if a team is winning, they're all going to be playing a lot better. And that is definitely what sets Jimmy apart from some of the other star athletes in the NBA today. And that's why he's on a huge contract this year as well because Miami recognise this and they want to pay him handsomely for those traits. And I think they're right to. We can see that it's paid off in one season. Straight away, it's paid off. So that team attitude and that foresight has taken them this far. We recorded the first part of this podcast just after Game 3. It looked like Jimmy was the star of the show. He was putting up those 40 points, showing that he was able to do that. We've since seen Game 4 happen, which we said was going to be very important. We said the winner of that game was going to decide a lot. Lakers came out on top on that one. Can you sum up why that happened? Yes, I suppose if you listen to the early part of the podcast, we did allude to the fact that we thought this was a crucial game, make or break for the series. We also said that the Lakers could come out with a much different mentality, and they did. We said that in Game 3, the Heat worked like dogs, and they had to be the team to do that to give themselves any chance. Unfortunately for them, the Lakers outworked them and out-defended them in this game. They also had a high-scoring night from Contavious Caldwell-Pope, a guy that we haven't given much talk about in this series. He was due a big performance and he played very well. He was comfortably the Lakers' third best player on a night where Anthony Davis certainly lifted his level back up again. He really dipped in Game 3 because of the massive pressure that he was under, but he played a much better game in Game 4, picking up Jimmy Butler on the defensive end of things and then going down the other end of the court and getting a lot of buckets as well. And LeBron was just LeBron then? LeBron was just standard finals LeBron. He scored 28 points. He got 20 of them in the second half. That tells you everything you need to know about LeBron being a clutch player. And I think what we said about the Lakers just being one of those teams that might allow themselves one game to let the mind wander elsewhere, but then to go back and reapply themselves and refocus and come out much better in the next game. And that is what happened the last day. And that leaves us set up in a situation where they're now 3-1 up I'm absolutely delighted. What looks like the final game will be coming on a Friday night where we can both watch it and I can wear all my purple and gold. I can belt the purple and gold out at the end of the game and just really rub in the fact that uh, mostly everyone called this one except you. I More so, the, not so to rub it into your face, but to rub it into the face of hipsters everywhere. I just don't agree with the whole hipster mentality of this song, everyone listens to this song, so it must be terrible. 
if everyone listens to it, they listen to it for a reason. If everyone goes for the Lakers, they go for it for a reason. The reason is LeBron James. The reason is they're a better team. They're just really good. They are really good. Their two best players are significantly better than the Heat's best player. They have a good, strong team. They've plenty of players that are willing to come in and play a role. Fellas like Danny Green and Rondo have been very important. It really helps them in those tough situations. Like they had this team ready to go since the very start of the year. Even last year, you know, as soon as they signed LeBron, this is the plan. And he's on, you know, three rings as it stands. He's looking to get his fourth this year. But over the next three or four years, I wouldn't rule out him picking up another two and tying it with Jordan to get the six. That has to be his ambition. And why wouldn't he when he's got such a good squad there? And seemingly, he has the front office under his thumb. Like they sign fellas that he wants to sign. Can we talk about when he left Cleveland? Just prior to him leaving Cleveland in the trade deadline before that, he took Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr. from LA to Cleveland. Two fellas that were on massive contracts, taking up space, doing nothing. They came to Cleveland. The next trade deadline comes around and LeBron goes to LA to a team that has plenty of cap space and plenty of money available to sign big players. And they brought in, you know, Anthony Davis and then a lot of star role players as well. And that bodes quite well for the next podcast that we're going to do when we zone in and focus on LeBron, presumably as a a four-time NBA winner. It'll be great to be watching in your company if you're going to be celebrating LA so much. I'm still pretty cut up about this whole Miami thing, but I don't think they should be disappointed. I think they went in with such a, a large underdogs tag and, you know, nobody would have tipped them at any stage really until just people got the eye test on them and just saw them improving game by game, getting better and better. And there should be the good materials of a squad there in Miami to go again next year but one thing is for certain Miami is now going to be a really really attractive place to go and play again and it hasn't been that way since maybe 2013 or 14 the last time they were winning well it hadn't been that way to the outsider's perspective what we understand this year now is that they always had that culture of winning they've always tried to be as the best that they can be and you know this year they have achieved those goals I don't think they would be disappointed but I do think the Lakers will be will be very much delighted with this. I do think the later Lakers will be I do think the Lakers will be very much delighted with it. That to me now, and I imagine to the listeners, sounds an awful like an admission of defeat at this stage. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. If Friday night comes and the Heat can pull one more back, well then it's three two and that's a huge momentum shift going into the next one. Look, we won't rule anything in or out at this stage, but if you were asking me for a gut opinion, I'd have to say that I'm kind of leaning towards the Lakers taking Friday's game and just ending things and seeing it out. There is a satisfying pattern to go 4-1 in all the way through the playoffs and in the finals as well. Very much so. The gentleman's sweep, as it were, you know, that would be the fourth consecutive one of those. And it would leave them with an overall record of 16 wins and only four defeats, which is extremely impressive in playoff basketball. So this is your prediction, Lakers for Friday? I'm going to jump onto the bandwagon with UP. I'm going to back the Lakers for Friday, just because I think it would be a fitting night for this whole thing to end and for LeBron to take his fourth ring. But I will be watching eagerly. You know, there's a small chance that Miami can do it. We've talked about the factors that have to happen. They have to work much harder. Bam Adebayo is back, which is great. He'll have to have a high score a night. Butler will have to score at least 35 or 40. And the whole team is going to have to shoot much better than they did in game four. So it is a lot of ifs for Miami, but, you know, stranger things have happened. It'll be very interesting to see either way. But if you're asking me for my humble opinion now at the moment, and I have been humbled by this, I'm going to say that the Lakers are going to wrap this up on Friday night. 
Yeah, as much as I love an underdog story, I will be delighted to see the Lakers coming through. As I've said a number of times in this podcast, it just it is a, just a great story if they can pull through in the year that's just been after happening with the whole Kobe Bryant thing, with LeBron's narrative and everything. So I know I, for one, have thoroughly enjoyed it and I can't wait to see how this series does finish off. And we will have one more of these podcasts to come back to. So myself and yourself, P, we'll have a chat about what has happened in Game 5 or a Game 6, should it be required. And then we'll do a player focus, a little bit of study on LeBron. Okay, thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.